0: Yeah, good morning, ladies. It's very, very good to be with you again um, this month, April now, and um, I'm noticing the daylight fading earlier and earlier in the evenings. It's chilly in the morning. We're definitely in autumn now. Um, and it's great to be with you again this morning in Song of Songs. Um, it's my pleasure um, to be here. I think we're beginning to get to know one another. I'm Gillian. And uh, it's my, my joy and my, my privilege to um, share something of, of what um, God has taught me in this precious little book in the middle of the Bible. Um, so um, before we get started, let's just pray again. Um, Father in heaven, we thank you for um, your word and in particular we thank you for this precious little book in the middle of scripture and the song of Solomon the song above every other song Um, Lord and if you are not with us um, we um, don't want to go forward from here we won't understand anything Um, we need you Lord by your spirit um, to open our eyes and our ears that, that we might see and hear wonderful things in your law help us to keep Song of Songs rightly in its biblical context help me to teach that faithfully um, clearly um, and, um, and in a way that could be easily understood so we pray that you would bless our time um, together in chapter 2 this month. um, And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, I'm assuming um, most of you, all of you were here last time. Anybody here for the first time today? Okay, one or two. So, um, little recap. Song of Songs is a love poem. It's um, a love story. I hope you've all read it. Um, if you haven't, try to read it through in one go, um, certainly before next time. It won't take you very long. It's not long. And, and then read the chapter that we're going to study a few times. That's what I do. Keep reading it. Uh, maybe even learn some of the poetry. That's how to get Um, the book under your skin so to speak and when you do that you'll find that the drama the human drama has two main characters, the bride and the king and the poem tells of their courtship and their marriage and yes their sexuality and last time in chapter 1 we saw the bride and the king expressing their admiration for one another, the sweet nothings and um, him likening her to a beautiful horse and so on and um, just by um, an aside I think it's important that we do that Um, that we say in words how we feel about one another especially those of us who are married now we might not put it on Facebook or Instagram or whatever they like to do these days I personally couldn't do that But those of you who are married, um, we should express our admiration and our feelings um, for um, our husbands, uh, at least in private. And when we speak like this to the Lord, which I hope you do in your prayer times, when we tell the Lord how we feel about Him, what we, what when we, um, we tell him how much he means to us that's called praise we praise him It's just praise is just the overflow of joy um, in our hearts and it comes from knowing God and being thankful for who he is and for all that he's done for us and now as we come to chapter 2 in the song um, we see the bride's response the bride and the king doing some more of this um, praising each other, telling each other how they feel about each other and we see how the bride responds to a king, to a man who woos her, who protects her who provides for her Um, remember to read the song on two levels it's really important to keep that balance in in your mind it's a poem about two human lovers and it's also an allegory about our love affair with King Jesus try to keep that in your mind as we go through Song of Songs this year and as far as chapter 2 goes um, I'd like to highlight Um, four things Um, the first one is in verses 1 to 3 the flower and the fruit tree Um, thank you for reading so well Jenny Um, she says verse 1 I'm a rose of Sharon a lily of the valleys he says like a lily among thorns is my darling among the young women she says like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among the young men you'll notice um, that bless you you'll notice that the love language here has gone from horses to horticultural (laughs) so the bride describes herself as a rose and as a lily and um, he picks up that self-description as a rose, and he as and as a lily, he calls her a lily too. And if um, you look back a few verses to the end of chapter one, verse seventeen, there you'll see the king says, "The beams of our house are cedars, our rafters are firs." And so we're beginning to understand that the setting of this drama—it's a garden. He says, like a lily among thorns is my darling among the young women. He's saying that if she's a lily, all the young, other young women are brambles or thorns. And she's his darling. The point is, it's personal. She's like a lily to him, so we've got this exclusive theme coming out in the poem. It runs all the way through the song. The lovers are uniquely attracted to each other. There's no one else for him, and there's no one else for her. The bride praises the king in response. She says in verse 3 like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among the young men think about it so here we have the flower the lily saying that a fruit tree makes her feel safe and secure and valuable the bride is responding to the romantic advances of the king because she feels safe and secure and valued by him so there's no point I could hear the giggling you were supposed to be doing your homework and I could hear the giggling and there is no doubt that at this point in the book we have already getting the first overtones of physical intimacy between the king and the bride the king is definitely wooing the bride in the direction for which um, the song is famous for and she's responding to his advances because she feels safe and secure and valued she's his darling so if you don't know the song well the wedding ceremony um, only comes in chapter 3 and so I'm going to assume that um, (coughs) physical intimacy will only happen after chapter 3 chapter 4 covers all that in in detail, ladies, and you can wait until July. <laughs> <laughs> so, we've got these, these are godly people. There's the Bible isn't the way the Bible is speaking about this intimate language and praise, it's not smutty or perverse. The Bible is saying this is good and lovely. These godly people, they are loving one another and they are experiencing perhaps a little of the intimacy that was lost at the fall. Think about the garden. The poetry is describing this intimacy and these sweet nothings and this love language. It's a bit strange to our ears, I accept. But the Bible is speaking about it in terms of trees in a garden and portraying this love language as a good thing and it's almost as if we're back in the Garden of Eden I thought it might be helpful if I read a few verses um, from the message which is the Bible in contemporary language it's not um, wholly inspired scripture but the poetry in in the NIV, which I imagine you're all in, it's quite um, it sounds a bit strange and a bit stilted to our ears, does it not? Um, so I thought I picked this up um, yesterday, and I wondered. I I think this is maybe helpful. I'll try to read it as best I can. Um, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'll just start um, from. Um, verse uh, chapter one and verse sixteen. I suggest that you follow in the NIV while I read this. Listen to both, so you can follow. You can follow me um, in your Bibles. Oh my dear friend, you're so beautiful, and your eyes are so beautiful. Like doves And you, my dear lover You're so handsome And the bed we share is like a forest glen We enjoy a canopy of cedars Enclosed by cypresses Fragrant and green I'm just a wildflower Picked from the plains of Sharon A lotus blossom from the valley pools. A lotus blossoming in a swamp of weeds That's my dear friend among the girls in the village As an apricot tree stands out in the forest My lover stands above the young men in town All I want is to sit in his shade To taste and savour his delicious love he took, me, he took me home with him for a festive meal, but his eyes feasted on me. Oh, give me something refreshing to eat, and quickly, apricots, raisins, anything. I'm about to faint with love. <laughs> his left hand cradles my head, and his right arm encircles my waist. Oh, let me warn you, sisters in Jerusalem, by the gazelles, yes, by all the wild dear don't excite love, don't stir it up until the time is ripe, and you're ready look listen there's my lover do you see him coming? vaulting the mountains, leaping the hills my lover is like a gazelle graceful like a young stag virile look at him there on tiptoe at the gate all ears, all eyes, ready. My lover has arrived and he's speaking to me. Just so far. I hope that's helpful to try and give you a sense of how the song of songs would have been read in its time. Um, I'm not sure I'm brave enough to read all the song like that. But for now, let's say we want husbands and wives, we want husbands and wives, I think, to know the kind of intimacy that we see in Song of Songs. And that intimacy is possible because the man has protected and provided for and wooed his wife. And so she feels safe and secure and happy. That's quite unlike the intimacy portrayed in movies and magazines, isn't it? Which is so often dehumanising, perverted and smutty. The song shows us the kind of intimacy that Jesus makes possible between himself and his people because he is so trustworthy he is such a good provider he is so good and loving that's the kind of husband men should want to be that's the kind of intimacy that women respond to I think I can guess I'm sure some of the thoughts in the room and we don't have time um, today to go into all the applications from this but remember that this is the song above all the other songs and there's an underlying message in this book that Jesus is our heavenly bridegroom and in that sense there is no safer more secure More valuable relationship to be in. So, whatever may be lacking in our imperfect marriages, let's keep our focus on the perfect bridegroom and lover of our souls. So, point two are you listening? Verse eight. We come to the second section of this chapter, verses 8 to 13, and I'm calling it Are You Listening? And the bride, who starts speaking in verse 3, except for two verses, verse 14 and 15, she continues to speak through to the end of chapter 3. I love that the Bible is so realistic, isn't it? Which of us do the most talking in life? the ladies or the men well so it is in the song she does most of the talking and the bride in verse 8 says listen my beloved look here he comes and then again in verse 10 she says my beloved spoke and said to me arise my darling my beautiful one come with me In all human relationships, including marriage, love has to grow, doesn't it? And there are times um, when it doesn't and barriers arise. Now we've just left the lovers in a passionate embrace and there's been all this love language and cooing and affirmation and invitation and response and we think "Oh well nothing could ever go wrong here wrong as we shall see my beloved spoke and said to me arise my darling my beautiful one come with me now she recognizes his voice instantly she can't see him because he's standing behind a wall verse 9 but she says that her lover's speaking she's saying this is what he's saying how does she know it's him how does she know his voice she can't see him well she'd know it anywhere wouldn't she and in the same way the sign that you or I have a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ our heavenly bridegroom is that he speaks And you recognize his voice. How do you know his voice? Well, because you've spent time with him, you know the way he speaks, you know it well, you know what he says. Like, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. He says, His sheep listen to his voice. The sheep know his voice. Those who are not of his flock, they don't recognise his voice. That means, ladies, that it is possible to sit in church, hear sermons Sunday by Sunday, to hear the Bible read, and to hear the Bible taught even. It's possible, but not hear his voice. It doesn't make any sense, the voice. Believers, we call his sheep believers, they hear his voice and they do something else, don't they? They hear and they follow. How do we know we're one of his sheep this morning? Yes, Lord, is the evidence. His sheep say, Yes, Lord and they follow they get up and they follow like sheep would literally follow a shepherd so when the heavenly bridegroom speaks do you know his voice? do you say yes Lord and follow? I know when I open the Bible I expect to hear God's voice I want him to speak to me and I want to follow his voice perhaps you have a hard time listening to that voice too many other voices our lives are often too busy there's too much noise too many voices too much rushing around too many people too many things to do too much social media I have a friend whose husband likes TVs in the sitting room he has four TV screens on one wall showing different news channels I find it difficult to think straight in that room but it's not just the TV ladies is it it can be too many people too much social media too many voices we need to be quiet and still and alone to hear his voice so turn off the noise and the toys get a quiet house and a quiet place God said this is my beloved son listen to him so are you listening taking time every day to listen to the beloved and then how are you responding point three because this beloved says come away with me in verse (coughs) ten here comes the beloved leaping across the mountains bounding over the hills like a gazelle or a young stag that's a picture of power isn't it and grace and speed doing the impossible it's effortless leaping over the mountains like that the mountains are nothing to him they don't slow the beloved down, he skips on them, well he made them didn't he I'm not a lover of hiking but even keen experienced hikers don't hike like this whatever's impossible for us it's easy for him this is Jesus who is God he has the power to heal the sick to open the eyes of the blind he has power over evil and death he has the power to call men to himself and to set the captives free even the wind and the waves obey him the grave could not hold him and this voice says in the song arise my darling my beautiful one and come with me she's been with him in his chamber she's been with him at the table and she's been with him in the banqueting house but now he wants her to get out of her comfortable space and bound over the hills with him and what does she say do I have to (laughs) we say it too don't we we say I'm very comfortable here I don't want to have to deal with the mountains they're too difficult that awkward relationship (coughs) at church that prodigal child who's so wayward the husband who is not a believer a family who don't understand why I live the way that I do Lord do I have to maybe it's pressure at work to fit in or to compromise it's pressure at home it's hard to be unashamed of the gospel in those contexts Lord do I have to that's like Jesus calling you to go for a spiritual hike on Signal Hill it's hard and you can't guarantee that you won't fall or get hurt and so we say oh I can't do that I say that I can't do this most days I say that I mean many times when I have quit in my mind before a difficulty before I'm going to teach the Bible before I've got to prep to teach the Bible before some new church initiative a difficult conversation with someone who's hurt me just being a Christian again today I say I can't do this I throw my toys out I dig my heels in and I prefer where it's comfortable. It's true to say, I can't. It's true. None of us can. But Jesus says, come up here and scale the mountain with me. So what would happen then if you took up the challenge, ladies? If you took up the little that you do have, The little strength, the few resources, the weakness, the frailty, the sinfulness, and you gave it to him and he blessed you. Well, you could feed the thousands then. We're so accustomed to doing what we can do comfortably. I think and we don't want the challenge but he says come away with me come up here and scale the mountains with me when was the last time you knew you couldn't do something without Jesus it's good to be in that position God puts us in those positions because it's good for us to say, I can't do this without you. I was a bit like that recently. I think um, some of you know from last time, my parents were recently with me for six weeks in our home. They were on holiday, um, but we weren't. They're not Christians we had a very busy start to the year in our church some new programs I had more speaking that's great I wanted to do that but I lost the plot of it things went wrong I messed up a lot relationships were strained nothing was easy and I kept saying I can't do this Of course you can't, Gillian He wants us to go into the fray with him And he's just saying, ladies, he's just saying Will you love me? Will you trust me? Will you follow me? Will you follow my voice? Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me See, the winter is past, the rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth, the season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit, the blossoming vines spread their fragrance. What a lovely picture! Arise, my darling, and come with me, my beautiful one, come with me. will you love me, will you trust me will you follow me the beloved is saying there are seasons of life they don't last forever the winter is over the spring has come they don't last forever because God has ordained that they don't and he doesn't want us to stay in the same season forever It might last a few weeks, a few months, a few years even, but not forever. So when we're in a season of winter, we have to remind ourselves, don't we, that spring will come. But let me ask you, is the King calling you today to rise up and come out of a long winter and into spring? To leave behind a winter of bitterness or anger painful relationship, a broken relationship A winter of nursing old wounds from the past A winter of self-absorption And self-pity And defeat And guilt and shame Maybe he's calling you to step out in faith Into the spring of wholeness and healing of forgiveness and love for others a spring that looks like freedom and grace ladies maybe it's time you take his hand and you trust him enough to step out of winter and into spring out of the night of weeping and grieving and into the morning of spring not because our circumstances will necessarily change but because through them and in them he will change us we say I can't and no we can't but he can and then finally this interesting little verse the end of the chapter let's catch the foxes Catch for us the foxes He says the little foxes That ruin the vineyard Are vineyards that are in bloom Well marriage has its up and downs Doesn't it? I don't think that's a news headline But when we stood At the altar Those of us who are married This morning All beautiful and dressed in white and misty eyed and there your man is and he's just so handsome and life together is just going to be bliss forever and nothing is ever going to get between the two of you and you don't think about how there might be sickness or poverty or difficult circumstances of life or of sin we forget every marriage is made up not just one but two sinners arise come my darling my beautiful one come with me the king says it twice he says it in verse 8 and he says it in verse 10 why do we ever say something twice think of telling a puppy to sit (laughs) (laughs) or a child to stand still but the response you want it doesn't come so we say it again and the bride did not go with him can you relate to that not responding to the king he says come with me and she doesn't respond the king calls the bride his dove in verse 14 he wants to see her face and to hear her voice he's behind a wall and he wants to see her face and hear her voice that's astonishing isn't it if you think about it on the other level in our devotions or quiet time we want to hear his voice don't we but he wants to see and hear us well it's more than 20 years since I made the decision to follow Christ and I still find that unbelievable that the king of the universe would want to see my face and to hear my voice ladies you know this well and it's so important the beginning of every day we shut out all the other voices so that we can hear the king say to us my dove show me your face let me hear your voice for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely how do we hear him we pick up the book but we put it off don't we, we hesitate we don't want to go into the presence of the Lord because we're ashamed we try to get ourselves all lovely and fixed up to make ourselves worthy before we go into his presence well we can't do that we can never fix ourselves up sufficiently and it's an offence to him and then the king says this catch for us the little foxes the little <coughs> foxes that ruin the vineyards are vineyards that are in bloom the point is we have to be diligent to look after our relationship with the Lord actually any relationship whether that's with the Lord whether that's with our husband um, a fiancé someone we're dating even the girlfriends don't look after it, the relationship will die and we have to be willing to deal with Anything that causes a breach in that relationship, big or small, those are the little foxes that ruin the vineyard. Notice it's the little foxes Mm -hmm. that ruin the vineyard. The big foxes eat the fruit on the vine, but there'll be more fruit. The little foxes chew the roots at the bottom of the vine, so the vine dies and the beloved says to her sorry the lover says to the beloved catch for us the little foxes that ruin the vineyard and so it is for most of us it's the little foxes that ruin our relationships complaining self absorption disrespect Unforgiveness Neglect Bible reading and Prayer Social media That's a nasty little fox mm-hmm. Extended family Too many people Too many things Too much to do Those are the little foxes What are the little foxes In your life The little foxes that eat away At your relationship so what does our bride say when she eventually responds she says turn my beloved and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the rugged hills what's she saying here she's saying I'm fine thanks you go I'm comfortable right here you go I'm fine thanks she doesn't want to move from where she is She's satisfied with things just as they are. I've got him, he's got me, we're just fine. But what she's really doing is failing to respond to the call of the king. She's saying, I'll go with you later, maybe, when I'm ready. How different is that to what we read in chapter one last time when the bride said, Come, let us hurry take me away with you she was saying wasn't that long ago maybe it was like that for you in the honeymoon phase with Jesus when you first met him you thought it would always be like that when you started out you said I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything I said that I now I live in Cape Town I was minding my own business on a farm in England and now I'm a pastor's wife in Cape Town. If we won't give go with the king when he calls us, we'll lose that sense of intimacy. The joy of honeymoon love will die. Is the Lord calling you today? and you're saying there's no way I can do that but he's saying will you love me will you trust me will you follow me if he's calling you to go with him put your hand in his ladies trust him he's the king let's pray